What's up, everyone? I'm Catherine Rudder, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. New theme song. <laughs> so now we own this song, and I hope you guys like it. Shout out to Conan for this amazing beat. Um, for this episode, we have Matthew Rudder, not related to me, um, from the Enterprise Sales Team here at R3 to talk about White Claw, how he pitches Corda and blockchain technology in general to customers, uh, the challenges he faces with customers, and why he believes in this technology in general. I hope you enjoy it. In the studio with Matt Rudder, who is currently chugging a White Claw. How are you today? Uh, thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. Thank uh, yeah, you. Yeah, that's great. I'm happy to have you in the studio. Well, I kind of gave away the fact that uh, what we're drinking today. Can you tell me why you brought White Claw into the studio? <laughs> Uh, I feel that White Claw adds a touch of class to the uh, to the to the show. Really, um, no, I think what <laughs> was it, it is, classless before? <laughs> uh, potentially, yeah. I think uh, we've had a pretty aggressive sales conference uh, last week, and mm-hmm. a fair amount of sangria was was had by all. So I think a yeah. White Claw is a is a nice change. Obviously, limited sugar, so it has those benefits as well for those following the keto diet. But um, but yeah, just generally, it's a very classy drink. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. the black cherry. I find. Oh, totally. Well, actually, now that you've opened yours, I guess I should. Open it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like gonna be done with. Yeah. Okay. So, do, when was the first time? Because I'm curious about this. Because people, a lot of people like White Claw in like totally different like age groups. So you have like the college kids who are throwing back spike seltzers and like these kind of drinks, um, and then you have like the classy. <laughs> Work people <laughs> like us. Um, I, when did you f- have your first white claw? Because it's a new fad for anyone who doesn't know that it's just like a spike seltzer. Situation. Well, it's great to know that I'm still down with the kids. Um, being, oh yeah, being 34. Um, you didn't have to expose your age, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first white claw. This is such a personal question. I think it was um, it was a recommendation from another another member of the sales team who, who really told me I need to up my drinking game okay. and by introducing more class into the way that I go around uh, bar threes on Thursday night. And he brought these in. We had them at uh, Carlos's infamous summer house party in the Hamptons. And since then, it's really remained a staple diet dietary component of the sales team for every Thursday night. So it uh, <laughs> leaves less of a hangover than red wine. <laughs> it's true. It does leave less of a hangover. But wait, can I just get this straight? The first time you had one was this past summer when I was there with, and we were playing those games and it was really fun. Yes, it was, was when we were playing time. those games. It was <laughs> Sorry. really fun. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> wait, that is crazy because they have been around for longer than that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would know better than I do. I mean, well, when I was in college, the White Claw wasn't a thing yet, but Spike Seltzers were, and then White Claw kind of took over. And also, like, you have people like us at like classy work parties drinking them, but then you also have like in in my my brother's in college; he's a senior in college, bless his soul. Um, but he he like walks around like ain't no laws when you're drinking White Claws. <laughs> And stuff like that. Well, it's good to hear. It's yeah. good to hear. Uh, I wouldn't test that theory, but um, you never know. We'll to <laughs> yeah. So now we have these in the studio. Okay. Let's move. Let's move on from the white claw situation. <laughs> However, um, what's your really quickly? What's your favorite flavor? It's got to be black cherry. Obviously. All, uh, I mean, round. anyone who says differently, I'm like mm. people who are like, oh, you know, the um, oh, 
the grapefruit. I'm like, no. It's just this is the worst type of people. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Okay, so last week was the sales kickoff. Um, and it was in Barcelona. A lot of people went. They chose Barcelona because it was actually a cheaper option than sending everyone to London, which you got to respect. But then also, you have all these people running around Barcelona. <laughs> 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 I'm like running around like, hola, todos. <laughs> I didn't know you spoke Spanish. Um, no, it's, uh, it was an amazing event. It really was. I've got to thank the entire team for that and putting it together. We didn't know it was because it was cheaper than flying people to London. We assumed it was because they loved us. But um, <laughs> no, it truly was a first-class event. It was delivered with incredible energy and enthusiasm. The team were amazing. Uh, the parties in the evening were incredible. Everyone showed up for the most part, for the sessions. Yeah. And, um, yeah, overall, I think we're really aligned to carries into 2020. I think it was a really, really good event, um, certainly in, in line with some of the other companies I've worked at. Yeah. No, it was crazy. So it's for someone who um, is not on the sales team, but I see kind of – to be honest, like you can see on the marketing side, like how some salespeople, obviously you're going to sell things differently, but like aren't necessarily aligned. And like this was like such a good exercise in like few days to get everyone on the same page. And Ka- I mean, Kathy Mint. Okay. Kathy Minter, round of applause. Claps for Kathy Minter. Claps for Cat O. They they crushed they crushed the conference and it was it was amazing. They it did. was amazing they did. to see. It was world class. It was really delivered with uh, with such passion. And I mean, even. Uh, even some of the tension that existed between the teams, they did a really good job of kind of skirting that away, getting the whole organization focused and thinking about 2020 in an aligned manner. Yeah. And, um, and overall, they struck the really, uh, a really good balance of sort of fun, um, you know, professionalism. And I think overall, the team's really well positioned for 2020. No, definitely. And just watching everyone, like the different presentations and different departments at our three presenting. So, so everyone basically... The sales team could have a full, full picture of every like, and I don't know. I feel like we haven't had that. I've been at the company for like f- almost four years now, and there's just there's never been anything like this where there's like a, it felt like a bond and alignment. No, you're totally right. I think is that there's so much going on in this industry as a whole and yeah. R three in general. Just keeping up with the day to day of everything that's happening is itself quite a challenge. Um, I think, as you know, yeah. and I think overall, just just the, the ability just to get everyone in the room and focused is is quite remarkably challenging. And I think we did a really good job of getting everyone on the same page. Well, yeah. hopefully, we'll, we'll see how things go. But it felt like we were aligned, <laughs> and um, you know, I think that the synergies that will be created out of it should be pretty complementary going forward, particularly between sales and marketing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we are so aligned. <laughs> no tension. No, no tension. tension. I actually. <laughs> If we had more time, we were going to make a, like a funny video of us. Cause, so Sarah Hale, uh, who's my boss, head of marketing, she presented a video about like – it's like a funny video about the things that marketing says and sales team says and like how they kind of conflict. I, I wanted to do that with actual marketing and sales people and, like from our three and record it because like there are some things we say like that. Like, like – <laughs> oh, you had enough content. I mean, we had um, so much content. I mean, Chase would be like, "That is not on brand." <laughs> <laughs> We're like freaking out how that's not a lead, but it's like we have seventy-two new Twitter followers. It's like, yeah, it's, it could have been soundbit directly from our three salespeople. I don't know. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, we could have done like, oh, we need to go to this event. We need to go to this event. And we need to go to this event, and then the marketing people being like, "But where are the leads?" Right. So that's all we care about. Where's the next bread to chase? Um, <laughs> But over, we, we do respect you guys. We're really grumpy in general because we're just always looking for the next deal. Mm-mm. But uh, we know you guys do a kick-ass job. The video was absolutely epic. The one where you guys ripped off the um, 
kind of our version of the office entrance. Oh, that was yeah. Hilarious. It's on your Twitter feed. I know yeah, it's on I put Twitter it on feed. my Twitter feed because I didn't know if I should put it on the R3 Twitter, but <laughs> I was going to. Probably not. I, I think was going the, um, to. the highlight was Tim Grant playing the guitar. I think oh, that, was, yeah. that made it. That was pretty epic. Oh, I'm happy you like that because I almost took that out. But anyways, because this, the viewers don't know what we're talking about, we should stop talking about that. But quickly on the um, – so, again, regardless, that sales kickoff was amazing. And I'm actually super inspired for 2020. We have video content from that that we're going to use moving forward to inspire others in the company. So um, it, it was amazing. But quickly before I move off of the sales kickoff, you guys on the sales team made your own paella. And I was not invited. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about that? Because I saw funny pictures, and you had like big vats. I'm gonna, I'll put a picture of, I'll put one of the pictures in the link of this episode, or in the bio of this episode. But like they were massive vats of paella. They were. They were huge. It was quite an event. Oh, ta- okay, talk me through it. <laughs> talk me through it because I was um, there. Well, they broke us up into teams, and okay. we all got set ingredients to make our own paellas. Okay. And uh, obviously, being in the sales team, people are fairly competitive just by their natural kind of personalities. Okay. And the chefs themselves were super competitive. And so there was <laughs> stealing of ingredients, the occasional oversalting of things. I, I was tasked with cutting up an octopus and a squid, which I had oh. no idea what the hell I was doing with that thing. Ooh. I was given a, a pair of scissors and was just kind of snipping the legs of this thing. Scissors? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I don't, eat, I don't eat seafood. <laughs> I don't it was really challenging. Um, <gasps> I have newfound respect for fishmongers in general. But... Um, Oh my God. So each team had to kind of create their own. There was a lot of variety in in the um, in the event. We had like a Thai-based one, a fish-based one, uh, a chicken-based one. I, I did a seafood one with my team. Honestly, like I wouldn't have eaten it after. <laughs> <laughs> It was oh, no. it was all going it was all going swimmingly until the chef decided to perform what looked to be some sort of ritual where he cut open the top of a squid and what came out wasn't particularly pleasant and after that I think the team was um was pretty keen not to try that one. Oh no. Needless to say we didn't win. But uh, which one won? Which one was the best? I actually forget. I think it was the chicken the Thai chicken one. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. There's another win for Thailand. One. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think what was quite, quite funny was they were not expecting the team to come in and hit the vino as hard as they did. I mean, we had a full day of, uh, full day of conferences and when we hit this place up, I think the, uh, the, poor, the poor lady working the bar was quite overwhelmed oh, I'm sure. with the, uh, the initial demand for the red wine. But it was, uh, it was a great event. It was fantastic. There were some good speeches. Um, everyone Great left speeches. alive. There was no cases of food poisoning that I think is obviously the most remarkable thing. From the paella. <laughs> I well, I didn't eat my one, but <laughs> I wouldn't oh, trust dear. it. Oh dear! Oh dear! Okay, well, it sounded like an amazing event, and again, like that sales kickoff. As much as it was super fun, it it was amazing. So again, Kathy, Cat, everyone who's involved, um, people on my team did a lot. That everyone who presented, who hey. <laughs> I'm trying to be serious. I'm trying to be discreetly opening <laughs> my white put claw. put that underneath the table and the microphones are sensitive, bro. You don't miss a beat. <laughs> <laughs> it was so loud in my ears. Anyways, okay, we can move we can move forward. I also just realized I called you bro and maybe we should acknowledge the fact that... Yes, we should. It, it comes up frequently. In fact, it's great. Sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it works against me. Oh, uh, yeah. But, Specifically uh, your relation, your non-relation to me. Oh, I love it. I mean, somewhere we're aligned in some family tree, but... We pretty, have to be. Pretty much every customer or prospect that comes into R3 naturally asks me the question, am I, am I David's heir or David's son? Uh, and I generally leave it fairly open-ended. I kind of want to use it to my advantage a bit. But you're clearly um, British and he's clearly not. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know he thinks he is, but 
So I get a lot of grief. Um, people think I've lost my English accent. I'd be great to see what the viewers think. Um, maybe I could put it on a bit more strongly. I don't know. I think yeah, people forget about it. Or maybe just our prospects just in general just miss that fact. Or they're, just, they're unaware of it. I mean, I guess it is kind of subtle. I guess. Oof. But I'm just trying to listen to it now. But I, I mean, you're clearly British to me. But I, I guess if we're not, you're not like from Essex. <laughs> <laughs> if it if it if it works to the uh, the benefit of a deal, then perhaps I'll change the accent a bit. But anyways, okay, moving on. So, um, so you, how would you like? You have a new lead or whatever, and you want to pitch like why Corda or blockchain generally, whatever you could go either way with this. Um, but why it would help them with their businesses? How how do you go about that? Yeah, it's, that's actually a great question. I think in general, um, you know, I've worked enterprise sales now for around 10 years. And I think what makes blockchain particularly different, challenging and unique is that there's just so much more education that's required yeah. in this space. Because just quite frankly, there's so much noise, mm-hmm. so much is going on. There are so many crazies in the industry as well who, who claim that it will solve everything. And it just it just won't in some cases. Yeah. But in some cases, there is some incredible business of value that can be created through the technology. And um, so I think the first thing that we generally do when leads come in is spend a significant amount of time providing education. Yeah. And that can be just talking to customers about, hey, like you called us. So, so what is it you're trying to do? And believe me, we've had our fair share of complete crackpot ideas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we should actually have a, an episode on the best of those. But, yeah, um, but some of them are really, really interesting. They've come up with some fantastic business models, and we want to spend some time just to vet them out and say, listen, is this the right use case for what we deliver, R3, in terms of a technology platform being Corda? Mm-hmm. Um, or can this be solved another way? And sometimes it's better just to you know, keep our integrity intact and just say, listen, you could do this with a centralized database. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's interesting, especially coming from, like, a salesperson. But it's good because you're an honest salesperson. We're all honest. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on. I mean, you're, all of us oh, here at our three. All of us here so at our hurt. three, but, like, I'm sold stuff all the time where I'm like, really? I, I can't comment on that. They're, they're terrible people. Um, yeah, terrible. I just think in general, like, in enterprise software in general, uh, your reputation is pretty important, and it will get around quickly if you're peddling nonsense. Totally. And uh, it can come back to you. So um, I think we've always taken a line here at R3 that, you know, the best thing to do is the right thing by the customer. Um, and I think that's a good mantra. I think that works well. I think it's allowing us to win big accounts. There's big announcements with people like MasterCard, with Microsoft. These are great names, great logos. Yeah. Um, and so I think we just need to continue on that, that path, and I think we're just going to do really well. Uh, providing we we kind of hold true to our promise and our tech delivers. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one interesting conversation I had recently with someone was, actually, I think I also, uh, I'm trying to think if I had someone on the podcast in the last two years that talked about this, but do you ever, like, are you ever talking to people and, like, leading with just, like, enterprise software or, like, enterprise technology over, say, like, blockchain? Like, you want to be genuine, but, like, there is a, a level of, like, some people do get turned off by the name blockchain because of the hype cycle and all that stuff. They do. Or do they you do. just have to use them interchangeably and use them together? It kind of depends on the read of the audience. Okay. Um, in most cases, I'm going to say, look, Quarter is, is a unique implementation of distributed ledger technology, right? So it's a unique uh, version of a blockchain. Yeah. Um, but that might also introduce more complexity and challenges. And I'm not going to kind of impede myself to yeah. moving forward in a, in a process. Yeah. Um, 
but ultimately, like, look, if we get into the nuts and bolts of it, it's really more around what business value am I creating yeah. rather than, like, does my technology fit this particular use case or does it fit this particular name or brand? Yeah. The realities of the situation are, is, look, if we can help you deliver value and do so in a way that's private and secure and that can be interoperable with other business networks, then there's tons of value in that. And I sometimes think that one of the challenges in the industry as a whole is that people are fixated on this idea of is it you know a public blockchain it's like who cares as long yeah. as it delivers the right level of business value and you can create tons of money coming out of it and revenue for your customers uh, for our partners then you know horses of course it's like what does it matter yeah yeah definitely so what do you find are some of the challenges selling uh this technology none it's so easy <laughs> <laughs> it's why we have to religiously drink on Thursday evenings. Um, <laughs> the challenges associated with selling blockchain, it's not easy. Um, and I think the biggest problem that exists in the market today is that there have been so many failed proof of concepts on platforms that are not ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't mention any names because that would just be, uh, you know, that would just not be. Uh, Use your imagination. That wouldn't reflect the level of class of drinking a yes. white claw on a podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> But, you know, sometimes we may have seen, for example, uh, you know, another provider go in, conduct a proof of concept or even try to put something into production, run into some challenges, um, unfixable challenges. And it can kind of tarnish the reputation. It's like going to a bad restaurant in New York City. Word of mouth travels quickly. Yeah. Um, What we often find is that when we go in, we spend a lot of time saying, listen, we understood you may have tried on this platform. Uh, not mentioning any names, Hyperledger. <laughs> oh my goodness, um, you did it! Yeah, and um, <laughs> when they move to Quarter, they see a huge, huge, huge uptick in terms of performance, scale, privacy, and basically achieving everything the platform was designed to do. I mean, our approach at R3 was deceptively simple. We we simply studied why other people failed. Yeah, and that's a really powerful thing because we did all that hard work for everybody, and a lot of the time it's just convincing people saying, "Listen." Go do your thing. You're going to come to the same conclusion we were, we arrived at six months down the line, and then they'll talk to us. And we see that a lot, actually. Oh um, my gosh, you're such a salesperson. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> no, oh no. <laughs> some people just buy. turned. Some people just turned off the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, it's it's totally true. But you know what? I also think about like, but that's why our like that's why Corda exists is because also it would have been easier to try and use these other platforms at the time sure. because Corda didn't exist. But, like, it's not only that, like, we saw, like, tried other platforms and we realized that, like, it wasn't going to work. Like, that wasn't, we got a lot of, we got a lot of shit for that at first. Yeah, and I wasn't here for that. So oh, I'm yeah. going to selectively decide not to hear the question. But um, <laughs> we do see a lot of people who are trying to just shoehorn the technology around a problem. It's It becomes incredibly obvious when we have a sort of a, a due diligence session, we'll fly in like one of our guys from pre-sales, my boy Daniel Lee, and does a great job at that. Hey. Hot Daniel. Hot Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes incredibly obvious uh, when it's it's just a technology being shoehorned around a problem rather than starting with a business problem working back to technology. And I think that, that serving as a really, really um, solid piece of justice right now, that that work that we did you know, over two years ago, three years ago, has not been done in vain, and we're yeah. like we're really bullish on it, and I and I I'm totally behind it. I've placed my chips on R3. I think the company is really well positioned. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super bullish. 
Yeah, no, me too. I mean, yeah, I guess we have two, like, like our three super fans in the studio. Like, I actually try and make some episodes, like, not not at all about our three, not at all about Corda. I've had people on who don't, who aren't building on Corda and who are building their own blockchains or are using uh, some of our competitors. But this, I guess, is going to be super... <laughs> I guess I should have assumed that was going to happen, having an enterprise salesperson as my guest. I don't know if I'm happy or offended. At that you, sh- you should be happy. You should be happy. I'm just saying it's kind of funny because I'm like already so sold. You know what? Oh, my reputation okay. precedes me. You know what? If if sales come out of this episode because of you, how are we going to measure this? Because I think that it should be completely, okay, we need to find a way to do this. How about, okay. if how any about sales, people email me directly? Yeah, yeah. if any sales come from this, e- like reference in your email to – do you want me to say your email? You can say my email. Okay. I, I'd go so far as to say we'll give you a 10% discount if you heard this on the podcast. I would love that. Really? Sure. Why not? Okay. So if, if any sales come from this episode, email matthew.rudder at r3.com. And you know what? ccatherine.rudder at r3.com and say, you know, I was listening to this amazing, like, episode of the podcast and, like, one, the host – hilarious. Two, that guest, a little weird, but he was really good at selling <laughs> Why didn't you react to that? That I, was so I, I'm rude. I'm crying inside. Okay. So, okay. So let it be known. That's how we're going to measure this. Let it be known. Let it be known. <laughs> I'm going to remind everyone in the, uh, in the bio. Okay. So when you are trying to uh, sell Corda, like what kind of customers are you going after? That's another great question. And um, I think the firm has, has largely changed its strategy a little bit in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're seeing from the market um, is that there's a lot of appetite from software vendors in general yeah. to sort of find and solidify their place in the new world. And that would essentially be providing services uh, through the use of the technology to their existing customer networks. Okay. So what does that mean? It's a lot of... Load of jargon there. But for example, you know, we might work with a very large software provider that services the financial the financial markets domain. Mm-hmm. And they may have a lot of customers that essentially can do interesting things together. And it's all about decentralization. But there's definitely an aspect of um, ISVs, third party vendors looking to provide services into that new world. And that could be through the management of business networks, through governance, through mm-hmm. development of core applications for them to essentially deliver to that network of customers. Um, overall, I think that this is where we're going to see the sweet spot of blockchain. And it's so well why Cordup was positioned perfectly because we're going to see the emergence of multiple business networks come to fruition and the market's going to demand for those business networks to interoperate. Mm-hmm. And a good example of that might be tokenization of assets, crossing various different types of business networks. Those assets could be capital markets instruments. It could be identities. It could be yeah. credentials, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see in the next year, 2020. I think we need to hold those those vendors accountable because mm-hmm. the industry is a bit fatigued. Like a lot of people want to see this whole blockchain thing delivered, but it's tough. It's really difficult. Um, you know, we spent the whole last 20, 30 years like promoting centralization. We're trying to get distributed systems put in place. It's challenging. Uh, but we are starting to see, and I don't want to give away too much information, but um, we are starting to see very large SMEs, um, enterprises, software providers, government institutions, um, banks, and so on and so forth, 
really look at this technology and figure out ways to deliver value to their customers. And some of them are really, really exciting. And yeah. it's, it's awesome to be part of that. It's really cool. That, um, you know, it's really challenging and I complain about it a lot. And I know that I have a, you know, I'm sometimes seen as like Mr. Grumpy in the office. But the reality is there is some really cool business models on the horizon. And I'm so proud to be part of that with, with Corridor and R3. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I th- really? no, no, I really do. Oh, sorry. I did, I, oh, did I sound like I didn't? Sorry, I was just trying to be serious. <laughs> this is what happens when I try and be serious. Everyone's like, "What's wrong with her?" <laughs> no, I do agree with you. To be clear, but also I find, and I wonder. I would love to hear your thoughts on this because I find it is a little annoying when. Um, people in general like talk about like oh well why is this technology so slow to like adopt and things like that because to be to be honest if you compare it to like the internet and other like it we're we're kind of on track well firstly those people are the type of people that Who don't probably that drink grapefruit white claw right? oh, they're the worst people in society that's called a callback baby <laughs> <laughs> love um, it so, but people, a lot of people do do that, but I guess, yes, yeah, so I would love to hear your thoughts. No, it's true. And I think, listen, uh, we would like to see it take off quicker than anyone. Yeah, the trust rea- me, we don't rea- want it to be this slow. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the reality is that, you know, as technology has evolved, and, you know, our generation is guilty of this as well, Catherine, and I'm going to say we're in the same generation. <laughs> I think we are. So we're, we're quite impatient, and we like to see things very quickly. And oh, we're definitely at, in the same generation. If you look at every sort of aspect of society, right, in, in every kind of industry and sector, Things are moving quicker towards instant gratification, right? And that's fine. That's great. We love that. Yeah. The reality is when you're dealing with enterprise software, there are a few more hurdles to deal with um, because <laughs> this is critical stuff. It's core infrastructure. It's designed not to go down. Um, and so people are naturally very, very cautious about tinkering with it. It's, it's very normal. Yeah. Right? Think about your health records. Think about, you know, critical infrastructure for payments. Yeah, ATMs. you don't want to mess that up. No, of, of course <laughs> not, right? You don't want to mess that up. Um, and so it's going to take a bit of time. I think Richard Brown wrote an article uh, about a month ago, maybe a couple of weeks Very ago. Very recently, about, yeah. Yeah, about the trenches of deployment um, and the trough of disillusionment. Talk like, about inspiring, by the way. That article, I really, it was like a blog post. It was I mean, amazing. he's an amazing individual, I, period. Amazing. Um, but he's Shout absolutely out. right. Shout out to Richard Shout Gamble out Brown. to Richard We love you, Brown. Richard. You're amazing. Poor one out, Richard. Why are you He's not dead. <laughs> At least we hope not. Um, he, he's very right. You know, we're, we're in the thick of it with our customers. And they yeah. are going through the trials and tribulations of deploying distributed systems. It's challenging. Um, but what's super interesting is the firms that have stuck with it, and I use uh, TradeIX as a great example. Ugh, they've replatformed. They're so great. They've replatformed a number of times. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the market, they're set to become the market leaders in trade finance. And this is a company that was set up a couple of years ago. Yeah. So they're going to take a market-leading position after, what, a handful of years yeah. using our technology? So my call to arms to most of the software vendors out there is like, look, it's all about the network effect. Yeah. If you're first to market, you're going to take a good chunk of it if you're good and successful. Work with us, by the way. Um, <laughs> and you will be good and successful. <laughs> and I think overall, like this massive potential there. Um, yeah. I think the industry is a little fatigued, as I mentioned, with Richard's article and so on and so forth. But it's not just hot air and words. Like we, we are actually hearing this from customers. They're talking about how to get decentralized systems connecting to others through firewalls in banks. You know, it's complex stuff. It's not that easy. Yeah. You know, banks have set up teams of people to prevent this kind of stuff happening and protecting their infrastructure. And yeah. the consultants have been helping them do that. Um, 
but at the same time, we are starting to see some some light at the end of the tunnel, and some of the things we're expecting in 2020 will be quite exciting. I feel like Richard really saw all of this before before other like before others. Yeah, I mean, and the, the, the decision prophet. to make, I, yeah, <laughs> the decision to like build it up from the like the ground up was brilliant, and at the time was controversial. But now it has is. It's not fully paid off. Obviously, we have so much more to do and a, a long road to come. Right. But You're seeing it, though, it's right? A, I mean, it's a, he's a visionary. You you look at, like, the Ethereum kind of developments over the last six months, 18 months. They're moving more and more closely aligned to Corda's privacy model, to Corda's designs. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a good sign that, you know, if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're doing well in the life, people want to copy you, right? And that's that's kind of where we're at. So I think uh, Richard, or Prophet Richard, as we should refer to him. Oh, as, gosh. Um, he tends to see a lot of things in the market quite well. Yeah. You know? So uh, hopefully he's he's right going forward. <laughs> I hope he's right going hopefully. forward. <laughs> <laughs> if not, we can get a new CTO. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a lot of bold statements coming out of this episode right now. <laughs> you wanted a sales guy. Please. Yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. Okay, that's fair. Um, okay, wait. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Is going more into you personally, but like, what brought you into R three in general and blockchain in general? Because it is a new technology. But is it? What did you do in your past to bring you here? Okay. Other than your your last name? I feel like <laughs> <laughs> it did factor into my uh, my decision. No, I I'm feel kidding. like I'm talking to a shrink at this point. Um, <laughs> Why is my shrink throwing yeah, back yeah. white cloth? <laughs> Could be an interesting concept, right? You get drunk <laughs> with your psychiatrist. Um, so, what can I say? So, I was, I spent the last ten years sort of working enterprise software. Spent some time at Reuters selling data infrastructure. Spent four years, nine months, and twelve days at BlackRock, maybe Whoa. six hours. Yeah, I was so happy I counted it down to the last. I was like a prisoner carving on the wall. Oh no! Um, working in the heart of financial services. Um, that promoted centralization. And what was quite interesting was that I saw how BlackRock were a really impressive business by being able to kind of um, activate a community. That's okay. what they did really, really well. And then I kind of started researching the, the crypto community a little more and getting more involved with blockchain. And it's actually another sales guy who works for R3 who I brought in who convinced me to actually look at the space. Who? Connor Gaffney. <laughs> Shout out to Connor. We have a lot of shout outs this episode. He was like a sales intern at Reuters, and I think he cashed in his 401k and put it into Bitcoin many years ago. So I think the kid did pretty well. Um, But he was convincing me that it was the future, and then I was kind of getting a bit fed up at BlackRock. Um, And so I kind of took out, you know, took a leap of faith, wanted to get into the space, contacted uh, a recruiter who recommended R3. And... um, yeah, I think the rest is history, right? I think you rejected me the first time. Oh, hey, first off, don't say you. I think not you and Catherine. I think I, I think the company were unhappy. They were like, you didn't have enough years selling middleware or something like that. Um, oh, interesting. And then anyway, it, we, we kind of cleared some of those things up and squared it away, and uh, it's been great. And, and you've also, by the way, not to like like blow smoke, but like you've actually crushed it oh. also. You've done really well, and you have some really big, important accounts. You're right. I have. <laughs> it's a team effort. It's a team effort. Oh, yeah. It feels like Everyone's it with that great. Answer. No, for real. <laughs> Everyone's amazing. The R3 um, engineering team is some of the brightest minds oh, my I've gosh. ever worked with. They're totally. literally, they're inhuman in terms of how they think about things. They're super, super intelligent folks. Totally. Can I tell um, you that I think that they're all so scared of me? <laughs> 
They're scared of Catherine because she's amazing and because, talks to people. No, um, that's not why. Because I forced some of them to go on camera because I was trying to get a lot of good footage of, like, the London <laughs> office. And they're all on the set, the, that floor. And I was forcing people on camera, and they all were horrified. George, George, who's on my team, was sitting up on the engineering floor, and he said he he heard and, like, they would hear my heels coming towards their area. And he was like, people were ducking into conference rooms. Like, I actually – That is the kind of the natural behavior of the developer. I mean, oh, you don't no, really – No, don't, don't say that about the developer. I think it's a me thing because I'm so loud and, like, in their face. And I was forcing them on camera. And, like, some of them were, like, the sweetest – I mean, I'm obsessed with, like, all of them. They're amazing. They're super sweet. So I think smart. It's, they're, ama- they're truly amazing individuals. Some New shout-out, Cat Baker. Cat Baker. Badass Dr. Cat Baker. Unbelievable. Keep doing the good work. You're you're crushing it. Um, listen, I think you don't gravitate to a career in sort of development and computer science to kind of get in front of the spotlight and a camera, right? That's just one of those things. Yeah, that's true. I should um, probably take that into consideration next time I forcibly <laughs> put people on camera. I don't know what they're complaining about. I'm sitting here with a white claw. I think I feel very relaxed. I feel like it's a nice environment. We should I'm... definitely do a second one of these. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I feel like I make people comfortable. That's why Booze and Blockchain even existed because I was like, oh, you know, I I think my personality makes people comfortable. But maybe what would make people more comfortable if they do enjoy a drink here and there is to have one as well. I, I quite like the strap line, Booze and Blockchain. Booze can and we, Blockchain. Can we make this a spinoff of a separate, a yeah. separate podcast? Oh, surely. But also I was going to do Beers and Blockchain, but, like, then I thought about the White Club. <laughs> How much I don't like beer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But technically, actually, do you know that the, um, White Claw is actually fermented? So it is technically a beer. I didn't know that. And you didn't? If you're, if you're making a stretch to say it's a beer, it's a big stretch. <laughs> um, I recall you at the Oktoberfest in Munich. I, I think you had a fair few beers okay, there. Okay. So thank you. Can... you <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And we'll end the podcast there. And done. No, yeah. I mean, Oktoberfest was very cool. Very it was cool. cool. It was cool. It was a lot of fun. Uh, new shout out, Philip Krummer. Agent Kromer. Who, if you're in Germany, finest if you're in Germany and you're listening to this and you want to talk to to anyone at R3, uh, Philip Kromer. He's he is the man. your man. He's, he's your man. He's the myth. He's the legend. Uh, we love Philip. He's yeah. truly um, one of the nicest, one of the smartest. And also, dare I say, one of the funniest people in Germany. He um, is so hilarious. funny. When I first met him, I was like, okay, so there, we have a robot working for the company. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to act around him. <laughs> I was like, what do I do with my hands? Like, I can't talk to this person. <laughs> Wait, okay, to end the episode, to end the episode, can you please do a German <laughs> Natürlich, ich habe auf Deutschland gewöhnt. I, I, Philipp and I, we speak German a lot. I, I used to live in Munich. It's embarrassing that I can't speak German now. Um, ich liebe Korda und alle die Fans von der Show Life in the Fast Chains. Alles oh. Gute. And, uh, you know, we look forward to hearing from uh, Germany's uh, prospects and customers soon. Please call Philip. Please call Philip so you don't have to listen to that terrible German ever again. Just kidding. I'm actually probably, I'm sure it's probably fine. We'll let the viewers decide. All right. Just listeners. What? Viewers listen. Yeah, oh, it is listeners. I didn't even, whatever. Anyways, thank you for coming in the studio today. We had fun. You're most welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. And I I can only apologize. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. Um, Matt and I had a lot of fun doing it right when we finished recording. He was like, yeah, that was cool. I would do it again. I was like, okay, get in line, buddy. Um, share with your friends and family. Uh, rate us on whatever podcast app you listen uh, to it. We're going to be doing a lot of new, fun kind of things focused on the podcast in the coming weeks and months to come. Uh, I have a lot of really good ideas for this year, so I hope you guys enjoy it. If you have any feedback, you can always email me, katherine.rudder at r3.com, or tweet at me at breadandrudder. And as always, definitely follow our social media accounts to get the latest from R3. I'm a little biased by saying that because I've managed them, <laughs> but uh, follow R3 on Twitter at InsideR3, um, Facebook at R3 Blockchain, uh, and LinkedIn at R3. So be sure to follow us to get the latest and give all and any feedback as long as it's positive. Bye. Just kidding. You can give us negative feedback too, but like, like I focus on the positive. Okay. Bye. Bye.